And actually, I think it's really intimidating for someone who has a full-time job where they can't make these phone calls and also um, intimidating for someone who has anxiety. This could be so triggering for people after what I, I watched go down over the last few weeks. Welcome to episode 43 of About IBD. I'm Amber Tresca. I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis at age 16 and had two-step J-pouch surgery 10 years later. I'm the IBD expert at verywell.com and the person behind aboutibd.com and the About IBD social media platforms. It's my mission to educate people living with IBD about their disease and to bring awareness to the patient journey. My guest is Jamie Holland, who lives with Crohn's disease, as well as a few other conditions. Jamie has made appearances on my show before as Jamie Weinstein, because Holland is her new married name. Getting married is a wonderful time, unless, of course, you're due to receive your next dose of your biologic. Jamie had a harrowing few weeks earlier this year when she wasn't sure if she was going to have her medication in time. She planned her wedding, filing her marriage license, and switching over to a new gastro around her medication schedule. Even with her best attempts at getting everything lined up properly, the situation went completely sideways and she had to call in help from the pharmaceutical company's patient assistance program to get her next dose on time. It's been shown that receiving a biologic medication for IBD even five days late can have a detrimental effect, which is why the timing is so crucial. Listen to Jamie's story of her best laid plans gone horribly wrong and her advice for all of us to try and avoid what happened to her. Jamie, I feel like every time you get your medication refilled, there's an issue. And I also feel like every time it's not the same issue. Is that do you think that that's accurate? I would say it's accurate because also this is a brand new insurance for me. Not a new medication, but a completely new plan. It's new to me. I'm new to them. Um, the prescription for me is new to them. And my husband's company, um, their HR people couldn't even answer the most simple questions for us because they had not been trained by the HR people from the company that acquired them. So there, there was a lot of... Um, complex issues going on. And I did the one thing that I felt made sense, which was reach out to um, a nurse navigator from the medication company. So there's a few things at play here. The first was that you got married. Hi, I got married. Right. Yeah. So you were switched over from the plan that you were on to mm -hmm. your husband's plan. Correct. Okay. Yep. And then we also had a changeover because you got married in December. So we had a changeover in the calendar year, which for a lot of people means that their insurance changes. Either their insurance changes or their deductible resets. Right. Mm -hmm. But you also, they also, the company that your husband works for was acquired. Yes. And therefore everything switched over. Yes. So you had no continuity between the time that you got married to the time when you needed to have your biologic refilled. 
Yes. So we planned it out that I was able to stay on uh, my former plan through December because of the day that we got married and the day we filed the um, marriage license. So that worked out. I was able to get my refill of my biologic prescription the last week of December. And that bought me a total of seven and a half weeks to get the new medication ordered. I, in this time, started the new insurance plan and also had a transition to a new doctor's office because my specialist got an opportunity that she couldn't refuse and left the university system where she was treating me at. So she moved me at her suggestion to a specialist office closer to my home which is great for me as far as traveling is concerned, but sad for me because this doctor who basically gave me a better portion of my life back was no longer going to be overseeing my care. So it was bittersweet, but also very stressful because I had a short window of getting established with this new doctor, getting my new prescription placed and hoping that everything would go on schedule for me to get my um, next maintenance dose on time. So you had a lot of different moving parts here. Yes. Not surprisingly, something went wrong. Several Um, things went wrong. (laughs) You got your prescription from your new provider. I did. So I met with my new provider on January 11th. Now, when I knew that my doctor was leaving... I found this out in the beginning of the fall. So between September and October, the minute I knew this was happening, I already knew who she would send me to. I called that doctor's office and told them the scenario. A, I'm getting married. B, my husband will have new insurance, but we don't know the plan yet, but we know the name of the company that is acquiring him. So it's going to be one of their plans. And they said, we believe we take them, but you will have to check with us again in December. So I said, that's fine, but can we establish my appointment for January or as soon as you can fit me in for a new patient because I will need to do this transition pretty soon. And they said, we can fit you in as early as January 11th. And I said, done, because I figured worst comes to worst, we just didn't file our marriage license. And I stayed on my mom's insurance until he got settled. And then we would go back to the justice of the peace and say, sorry, we never filed. We got to do it all over again. You know, I just want to point out that the kind of things that you have to go through in order to get your medication, which you need, which you're already on and you need Mm -hmm. to continue on. And we all know that even getting your biologic five days late can have consequences for your disease. And yet you guys are having to do these backflips. The idea that you would have to not file your marriage license is frankly ridiculous. There's articles online right now with people who are my age. I'm 37 years old. (laughs) And uh, they're younger. There's younger couples. There's older couples than me that have been together for years. And they are filing for a divorce because it is financially more secure for them. Or it is allowing one of the partners to be able to get medication that they wouldn't be able to get as a married party. This is gross. This is, is this really bothers me. So, all right. So you're 
seeing your new provider, it's mm-hmm. and seeing a new provider is not always a happy um, transition for you. This was not, it was not something that you wanted to do. It was something that you had to do. So you go to see your new provider and you need to get all the ducks in a row so that you're getting your next maintenance dose of, mm-hmm. and that it's going through your new insurance and that it's going through their specialty pharmacy. Okay, so the ball is rolling. There's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes of all of this. And then it comes to you to where now, okay, you're ready to receive this medication. And? Yeah. So I thought I had done everything right. I had on January 2nd or 3rd, I waited a couple of days, called my insurance company and said, hi, I'm about to see a new specialist. I have a current prescription. Do you need the current prescription from the specialty pharmacy to be sent over to you? Or do I need to establish with the new doctor and have the new doctor write it? Or do I need to have my former doctor's office who would still have a specialist for me call you guys with a new medication order plus them filling out the prior authorization form. She is at that medical facility for another 16 days, but she can also have one of the other GIs there. I laid out every single possibility and I was informed anything will do. So not what I was expecting. I was hoping, I, I was hoping for a definite answer, did not get one, but I felt a little bit better. Little did I know that my former doctor's office also wanted to make sure that the bases were covered, even though I had let them know that I was establishing with the new doctor to get the new prescription. This is what happened. I had contacted them for a regular prescription and let them know who my regular medical um, pharmaceutical provider was, not specialty. But they then took that information to call in and do a benefits check and then found out the number to call in for the specialty pharmacy. So this is the behind the scenes stuff that um, you normally want going on. You Mm -hmm. normally want your physician's office to be (laughs) making these phone calls for you and handling these things for you so that you don't have to be on the phone. Mm -hmm. Usually you can't do anything about the situation anyway. It has to be your provider and it has to be, you know, their nurse or whomever is dealing with that. But that, but now you've got a situation where you've got two doctor's offices Mm -hmm. um, running sort of parallel situations, both of them thinking that they're doing the right thing, you know, thinking that they're doing the right thing, that they're helping you out and that they're going to get you your medication on time. And then what happened? My new doctor had decided that she felt, especially where family planning was concerned, I needed to build up my serum level. She was not happy with where my medication serum level was at the day of injection. So, okay. Your serum level, meaning the amount of the drug that's in your system at that time. On the day that I would need my next dose. So you were tested for that. Okay. And she didn't like that number. Yep. And my serum level has been tested on the day I'm due for my dose. And it's a little bit above the low end of normal. It's adequate. But for family planning practicality, when you need to stop taking your medication at a certain point, you want that serum level to be high enough to carry you over because you still have to wait postpartum before you can start your medication again. Right. Yeah. This is something 
that's a little controversial. And I think a lot of different physicians uh, change how they do it based on who they're talking about, what drug we're talking about and whatever, Mm -hmm. because they want you to have enough drug in your body to carry you through to to keep maintenance, keep you in remission. But then they want it far enough out to where uh, the baby isn't having as much in them in the third trimester right right before birth so there's some physicians that'll say that that none of this really matters but this is how we're currently it does handling it yeah it it totally matters in the fact that once you've delivered your hormones go out of whack when you're pregnant the theory or working theory has always been that baby is supposed to keep mom healthy her body is supposed to be a sanctuary for her and the fetus until it becomes someone in this world. And when that little life form leaves your body, havoc is wreaked inside and your disease can decide to come back right away or it can slowly show its head. So you're hoping that that medication is reserved long enough in you before you can take your next dose. So, um, you know, I, I know each doctor has their own theory, but since I was on the low end of normal and I have more than one condition that's also feeding off of this medication, I burn through faster than the typical Crohn's patient. This is where things get complicated. My doctor had given me an option if I wanted to participate in a study or if I wanted to um, just go ahead and do a quicker interval for the medication. Right now, Um, previously I was at eight weeks for dosing. She would move me to six and see how I do with that. And she put in the prescription immediately for eight because she figured she got a prior authorization for that. She knew she could get it for six or at least the eight was established and they couldn't go back on that. So she submitted that. In the two weeks time where her nurse practitioner submitted for the new prescription, my former doctor's uh, pharmacist submitted for their prescription for the same biologic medication. And then I emailed my new doctor's office and said, hi, I've decided I do not want to participate in the study for the medication. Thank you for offering. It's not the right time for me. I would like to proceed with the quicker interval of six weeks dosing. And that's when everything seemed to go sideways. You had two prescriptions being sent in to your insurance at the same time from two different providers. On the same day, as it turns out. On the same day. Yes. So I found out they got canceled out completely. Both of them. Both of them. (laughs) And um, my new doctor's office was called as they were processing it, saying, hi, do you know anything about patient so-and-so also having a prescription. And so they were able to answer the question and say, she was with them. She is now with us. And as it turns out, we are actually going to submit a new prescription today. So thankfully that was just seven days apart. So that, because it was a holiday too. So it worked out in that regard, but there was a lot of confusion. And I had started making phone calls because I was getting emails from the pharmacy um, from my insurance company and from the former doctor's office's pharmacy who filed the prescriptions. And when I saw that they filed, I went, no. So I tried emailing them, got no response, can't get them on the phone ever. So now I'm calling my insurance company to say, hi, I need to know 
who I need to speak with because not only does my insurance company have a pharmacy handler, they also have a specialty pharmacy handler that there's two different names, but when you call the second company's name, not going to name names, they're owned by the original company that handles your regular prescriptions for mail order. It's very confusing. And actually, I think it's really intimidating for someone who a has a full-time job where they can't make these phone calls and can't do the digging and understanding of what's going on. And also um, intimidating for someone who has anxiety around their disease and their conditions that they're living with. Anything to do with medical, this could be so triggering for people after what I, I watched go down over the last few weeks. And then how much time do you think that you spent up until this point? I know the story continues a little bit, yeah. but up until this point, how much time did you personally, not even talking about um, how much time the two physicians offices had to spend, but you had to spend dealing with this on the phone with all of them? Physically speaking wise, about three hours with insurance companies on hold wise, I may, if I still had uh, to like go by minutes, I probably would have burned through them and had a really large phone bill at this point. It, it was ridiculous. There were days, and I know it's because it's the beginning of the year with new insurance, um, but some wait times were 45 minutes, some wait times were over an hour, and then calls were dropped and I had to start all over again. Yeah. Okay. Entire days were spent making these phone calls with maybe only 15 to 20 minutes of conversation taking place. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, I know from experience that you call and then it's like, Oh, okay, hold on a minute. And then they put you on hold and they're doing whatever that they're doing. And then they come back to you and get more information. And then that process starts all over again. So, okay. So now you have the two original orders are now canceled. Yeah. You've got, the new order going in. In the meantime, you're how many days away from needing your dose? A full week went by where I got absolutely almost zero information. And at that point, I made the executive decision to reestablish myself with a nurse navigator from the company that handles my medication. And I left a few messages with the other nurses because she was out that week and sick. She called me the minute she got the message and we caught right up and she said she was going to make a few phone calls and get back to me. The next day she got back to me and she had made headway that I was not able to make in the two weeks prior. At that point, a lot of phone calls were made on her part to figure out which part of the insurance company was handling my specialty pharmacy, established she's already has, a, thankfully, a relationship with the bio coordinator from my new doctor's office. So that was great. And let them know that she would be my nurse um, advocate from the company. And by the fifth, the medication was in my hand. So essentially you have been working with someone from uh, the pharmaceutical company's assistance program for almost the whole time you've been receiving the medication or close to it? The entire time. The entire so, time. So, yeah. but basically in the end, yeah. it was someone from the patient assistance program, a, mm -hmm. a registered nurse who's familiar with dealing with these just 
with these issues who had to step in and start making phone calls in order to get this all straightened out in order for you to receive your medication on time so that you weren't late receiving your dose. Is that accurate? I would say that's accurate. And I don't know if I, if we can call it late because I still most likely would have received this by the time eight weeks rolls around, Mm -hmm. which I knew was possible. And if that was the worst that was going to happen, it wasn't totally bad. But wait though, see, because I'm going to stop you there because that's not what you wanted. No, absolutely not. That's not what you wanted. And that's why I called her. Right. But you were being forced into a situation that you and your doctor didn't want for you. Mm -hmm. You wanted a change. You needed this change Mm -hmm. for your future and how you want to live your life. And because of this ridiculous runaround with the insurance company and the lag time and everybody making phone calls and really nobody knowing what the other person is doing, you were going to end up not where you, the patient, wanted to be. Absolutely. And let me add another layer to this. The stress that was involved in worrying about when I was going to get the medication, how it was going to be paid and who it was going to be paid to because this new insurance plan has a $7,000 deductible. And then someone from the insurance company tells me that the pharmacy side has its own deductible, which is far less than the 7,000, but still equally scary for someone who's on a fixed income. Realistically, cash price for this medication is close to $20,000 a pop. So not having this prior authorization, not knowing which faction of the insurance company was gonna go through, it took a toll on my health. My psoriasis started popping out. I was not sleeping. I, at week five of my last dose, started having uncontrollable nausea, which usually is a sign that I have inflammation brewing and am on the brink of a flare because technically I am in a form of remission. And my biggest fear is regressing, especially due to something that is caused by stress that maybe I'm manifesting because I want to make sure that this situation is being taken care of versus just letting things happen as they may. So there was a lot of moving pieces in this. Um, The one thing that I will say is, is that I've been with this nurse since the very beginning. I'm also, I'm not naming the company and I'm not naming the program. I am a patient ambassador for them, quote unquote, a spokesperson. And one of the first things I did before I ever even signed any paperwork for the the company was ask them, are you going to have some form of nurse advocates for patients? And they assured me yes. And when they formed this program, I signed up not because I needed it, but because I believed in it. I've been extremely lucky with the nurse advocates that I've had from programs of medications I've been on. And that's why I can't recommend them enough because had I not had her, I truly think I would not have had my medication delivered. I would not have had my last dose on time. She has phone numbers that I couldn't get from people. She has access because she's been doing this for over 20 years, but also because she's been doing this for this company for the last few years. She has shortcuts that um, people are not privy to. And she used those shortcuts and she used them well. So I feel like you, there's nothing that you personally could have done differently. You really did do, try to do everything the right way and to make sure that all parties were 
informed. And I think it's impossible for you to have seen this coming at you. Mm -hmm. But is there any sort of wisdom that you can share that you can sort of broad stroke tell patients to be on top of or to look out for, especially in terms of you're getting married, you're changing jobs, even the the year switch over, we all hold our breaths while we're waiting for our next dose of medication after, Mm -hmm. after the turn of the year and the new insurance. Okay, so we'll work our way backwards. Um, If you know that your insurance plan is going to change completely, try and get its explanation of benefits for the following year in your hands before you've signed on the dotted line. That's truly most important, but everybody knows that they have the right to make changes up until the very last day. And even then after, they can still make changes because they have that written into the fine, fine print. That's the first thing. One of the reasons we waited to get married until the end of the year was specifically this reason. We had originally wanted a summer wedding on the beach and da-da-da-da-da, but realistically, that would have put me at six months into one insurance year and then six months into another insurance year with a company that didn't have the greatest insurance to begin with. And then it was going to transition to another insurance that we still weren't very, very sure of. So to reduce our um, stress over that one item, we decided to wait until the end of the year, but not quite the end of the year when the holidays were there. So that's why we chose the weekend that we did. Um, And the last thing that we did uh, as far as... um, my dosing was concerned. I really tracked where I was at as far as, uh, and this is going back to September, um, because I had discussions with my former doctor, were we going to move to six weeks? Were we going to move? And she felt comfortable doing seven weeks, six weeks. And she was really leaving that ball in my court. So I tracked out when eight weeks would need a refill, when seven weeks would need a refill, and when six weeks would need a refill. And I realized that realistically, my last week of December was when I could order. And the first week of January is when I could administer. Because if I had been at a six-week interval, holy cow, everything would have been completely different right now. I think this is so important. I hope we can get... um your story shared more widely because this is not right that you're having to live your life. You're having to plan your life in this way. You're a planner and you have that going for you. (laughs) Um, So, and you were able to proactively manage a lot of situations and yet you still ended up to where you might not have gotten everything on Mm -hmm. time. And in the end, it was because of a long established relationship through the pharmaceutical company's patient assistant program with the the nurse that they make available to the patients that are receiving their drug in your area. She's the one who's assigned to, to my region. What can we tell patients about working with the pharmaceutical company that makes the drug that they're receiving because most if not all i I don't know i don't know about every single company but in particular with the biologics the companies have patient assistant programs and i feel like and i tell people from industry this i feel like they're not reaching patients enough because patients need to know that this help is 
there for them. And also this was all like, you're not paying anything and in, in your insurance company, your insurance company is not involved right yeah. with this relationship. To my knowledge, the insurance company pays nothing for this. This is something that that's provided as a service. I'm sure it's on the back end paid for by the price of the drug. Um, I do believe it's something that's necessary. Some specialty pharmacy companies have their own nurses who are doing something similar because it's not always mentioned at doctor's appointments. It should be because some uh, medical facilities are just handling your prior authorization as well as filling in the paperwork to get you the copay assistance. And for all you know, you're just going to re- receive something in the mail for the copay assistance that gives you instructions on how to use it. And you may never ever get to that nurse advocate because there's a gatekeeper who's basically a representative of the copay assistance program who takes your information, processes you, and may or not be helpful at that point. I've really found that even when I'm not dealing with my personal nurse advocates, speaking with the other nurse advocates who are there to take the phone call when yours can't, they're a lot more helpful than some of those reps in the call center because the reps in the call center are not savvy to the insurers. They don't have those shortcuts. They also don't have RN next to their name. And RN goes a long way when these phone calls are being made to the insurance companies. You know, it's just, it's such a mess. And I really wish that we could figure out how to help streamline it for patients, but we have the system that we have and we have to work within it. Absolutely. And I think at this point, we just want to make sure that patients realize that there are resources available to them when they're struggling through these situations and potentially not getting their medication on time. I mean, first of all, like, don't let that happen. Make sure that you're planning have that backup plan, make sure that you're ordering. And, you know, I'm saying this out loud to myself too, you know, make sure that you're getting that refill request in with plenty of time, not only for you to just receive it, but also for things to go wrong so that you can figure out how to get them solved. And then also pull in whoever you need to pull in. And that could be someone from the pharmaceutical company's patient assistance program. Yeah, for sure. Another thing that you can do proactively, when you've received your medication, you look on the label, it should tell you how many refills you have left. It may even say when your prior authorization is going to end. If it doesn't, when you've placed your order for your next refill, they will always ask you, do you have any questions for the pharmacist? This is the perfect time. And I highly recommend it. Speaking to the pharmacist from your specialty pharmacy company is one of those things that takes five minutes of being on hold, maybe 10 minutes at the most is all I've ever waited. Or you can put in a request to have them call you back. Those questions can save you weeks of worry because sometimes you do fall through the cracks with your doctor's office. You go to order your medication, you know, a couple weeks or even a week or a few days before it's due because they've been so great about shipping it overnight and find out your prior authorization expired. And in some states I've learned it can be 30 to 60 days they could drag it out. Or it could be a turnaround time of two to five days. We don't know. And why risk it? So being on top of it, setting reminders in your calendar, everybody's phone at this point has the ability to put a calendar reminder 
where you use some form of email that has a calendar attached to it and you can put the reminder or you have a calendar that hangs on your refrigerator or somewhere in your house, leave a note for yourself, set that reminder. It will help you so much. Jamie, I'm sorry that you're constantly going through this, but at the same time, at least we can learn from what happened and try to head that off for other patients and let patients know about what resources are available to them. That's how I look at it. Yeah. With, it's almost like everything with uh, this disease that happens, it's like, it's helpful to look at it and say, well, this happened to me, but maybe I can take this out into the world and mm-hmm. help the next person not experience this in the same way. Isn't that so, why we got into advocacy? I don't know. (laughs) I guess it is. Um, Or for attention. I don't know. Maybe one or the other. Uh, Not supposed to laugh. I'm leaving it in. Um, So if people have questions about the patient assistance programs, what your involvement has been, what your experience has been, how can people get in touch with you and discuss it further? They can find me um, on Twitter at Jamie Editor. And as long as they spell Jamie like they were spelling Jaime, J-A-I-M-E, they'll find me. Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing everything and for laying it out for me because I truly did not understand what had happened. (laughs) I think to an extent, we still don't understand what happened, but it did. And then we fixed it. And now we just wait and see what happens in six weeks (laughs) and start all over again. It's fun living through these six to eight week increments, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I do want to leave our, I was about to say readers because I'm a writer and that's my life. Um, I do want to remind listeners uh, two things. If you start a new medication or if you are on a medication and you think that you are going to need help of some sort from a, a nurse advocate, Go to the website that is devoted to your medication from the manufacturer, not from a patient, but from the manufacturer, and they will have an 800 number, and you can call that 800 number, and it will lead you to someone who can help you. I usually say find an adult. This is a place where you can find an adult. That's the first thing. And the second thing that I want to remind your listeners is that you can ask your doctor if they have samples. Your doctor is either going to say yes or they're going to say no, or they're going to say, I don't know, let me find out if I can get one from the rep. And that's one of those things that can actually save us during times of uncertainty. So make that part of your backup plan. I love that. With the small molecules, it's it's pretty easy um, to get samples. And there's been many times when I have not even gone to the pharmacy because they just went to the supply closet. Um, With biologics, it's a little different, but definitely ask about it because also if that's on your physician's radar, they can think about it in that way. They may not realize your challenges in receiving your medication, um, especially if their staff doesn't inform them, which they might not. So if they can get um, some samples uh, to tide you over in dire need, that would be great. So, all right. Thank you for those tips. It's perfect. Thumbs up. All right. With that, thanks, Jamie. Thanks.
Hey, super listener. Thank you to Jamie Holland for explaining that series of errors that she was forced to deal with. Switching over to a new doctor meant that both physicians' offices were trying to get her medication refilled, and they wound up canceling each other out. On top of that, she had just gotten married and was dealing with a new insurance carrier, as well as the challenges that we all experience at the beginning of the calendar year. I pushed Jamie a little on how she was changing her plans based on the mistakes of others, and it got me to thinking about how many of us who live with IBD do that all the time. And I think that we should stop and demand better care. Jamie's advice to avoid errors is to schedule carefully, plan ahead, and make connections with someone at the patient assistance program for the pharmaceutical company that makes the drug you're receiving. I'm going to link to some of those in the show notes, but get in touch with me at About IBD either on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook if you can't find the manufacturer for your biologic medication. You can also go to verywell.com for disease information on IBD, as well as a lot about biologics that I've written, which has been medically reviewed by a practicing gastroenterologist. And remember, until next time, I want you to know more about IBD. Thank you.